Good morning. Can y'all hear me all right? Got this new headset. Somebody said I look like Garth Brooks. But I'm not going to sing. I got friends in low places, don't worry. But I was thinking that when we were singing. I was thinking about I got friends in low places. That's what Garth Brooks most popular song he sings, probably I remember it when I was in high school. That's probably when it came out in the early 90s. I got friends in low places, and he said, the whiskey drowns and the beard chases my blues away, but the only problem is you wake up in the morning and your blues are still there. And I was thinking about the, the blood. We were singing that song about the blood of Jesus. And it washes, it flows, washes us white as snow. You know, the only, there's only one thing that's going to wash your blues away where they won't come back in the morning. That's Jesus. That's the blood of Jesus. And you know what? Jesus has friends in low places too because he came to a mighty low place to get me. Amen. Praise the Lord. So anyway, are we, are we working? Um, you're doing it? Okay. Well, I usually operate the screen here with my little um, iPad, but for some reason it is a... No, nah, it's, it's not working. We're good. It's all right. Before we get going, I just want to say this this morning. I want to, I'm going to start talking about um, something, preaching on something, something the Lord put on my heart, an area to go, go to, and um, it's the truth. It's not my opinion. I don't preach my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter, and your opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion matters if you say, do I look better in red or blue? But I'm talking about when it comes to the Word of God, you're, you really, it don't matter about your opinion or my opinion because my opinion doesn't change the Word. Your opinion doesn't change the Word. And some people do preach their opinion based off their experiences. So this is my opinion of this Scripture based off my experience. That's not true. That's a lie. Because your experience and your opinion and, and your, uh, whether it went your way or it didn't go your way, it does not change the Word of God. The Word of God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it doesn't change it. So what I say that to say this, I want you to um, stay with me this morning. Anything we get into, we're going to prove by Scripture. Anything we get into, we'll prove by Scripture. It'll be on the screen for you to see it, or I'll tell you where you can find it. You can look it up for yourself. Don't take my word on it. Just go to the Word. Amen. So uh, pull up there that first scripture in Exodus. <clears throat> he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. And this is in the Old Testament. And this is when children of Israel uh, uh, came out of uh, captivity. He said, but for I am the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who heals you. What is he? He's the Lord who heals you. He was the Lord who heals you. He is the Lord who heals you, and he will be the Lord who heals you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. He's the God that was, the God that is, and the God that's going to be. He's the Lord that heals you. That's one of his names. He has many names. Uh, he's your healer. He's your provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's Jehovah Sikhanu. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's uh, uh, Jehovah well, there's a long list of names. I can't quote them all. But I'm saying there's a lot of names, but somewhere over the course of times, we've just deleted the name of he's your healer because 
somebody prayed and they didn't get healed, so now all of a sudden God's not your healer. Well, I've preached a bunch of sermons that people didn't get saved. Does that mean God doesn't forgive? Well, absolutely not. So he, I want you to see, we're going to tie some scriptures together here, but um, he's your healer. Go to Jeremiah the 17th. Is it 17, 14 or 14, 17? There it is, 17, 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. But those two are connected together for a reason. Because actually the, the uh, needing salvation as well as needing healing came from the same source, which is sin, and you'll be saved and you'll be healed. It also came from the same source. It will come from the same source. It has been provided to us from the same source as Jesus. There's a connection there between healing and saving. That's what I want you to get a hold of this morning. Um, Psalms 103, I, I do believe, yes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and that's all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now hang on right here for a second. There's a list of benefits it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why did he tell us not to forget them? Evidently, because he knew we were going to forget them. He said, don't forget them all. Don't forget them, all the benefits. I said this a couple of weeks ago. That would be like going to work and say, no, I don't even care about the 401K, the profit sharing, all that vacation pay. No, you can keep that Christmas bonus. I don't need that. Just pay me for my 40 and I'll just go on the house. Oh, a gas card. No, I don't need that either. I don't need any of those benefits. Who would do that? Where I work, we don't have 401k and profit sharing, but we have, we have a different kind of a benefit. We take off when we need to. And we love each other. And a lot of companies don't love you. And employees don't love the people they work for. I can tell you that. I've been on both sides of it. That's a benefit you can't put a price on. Forget not all his benefits. Let's look at the benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Put emphasis on all. All your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with love, kindness, and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your mouth is renewed like the eagles. Now go back to, I think it's the third scripture there. Who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Just leave it right there for a moment. All is all. You look up all in the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, uh, the Chaldean, any, any translation, all is all. He heals all your iniquities. That would be like saying, well, God forgives most of your sins. Well, most of your sins doesn't get you to heaven. All of your sins must be forgiven. Do you believe God forgives you of all of your sins? Can I talk you out of it? Can I tell you, no, he don't forgive that one. No, mm -mm. You got drunk one too many times. You cheated on your wife. He forgives them all but that. Or whatever it is, long list. You were 16, you had abortion. Sorry, heaven's not for you. There's no mercy and there's no grace for that. God forgives everything but that. No, he forgives it all. He forgives all your sin. Does that mean that we just say, oh, we're forgiven and we just go out and do anything we want to? I would say no, but actually the answer is yes. You can go out and do anything you want to. 
Because if you really believe and you really understand forgiveness and the grace of God, what you want to do is going to change. You're not going to want to go out and do what you used to do. In fact, what you used to do will make you sick at your stomach to even think about going and doing it. Ask me how I know. I can't do what I used to do. I can't talk like I used to talk. Those words won't come out of my mouth. Those thoughts. Anyway, how do I know? I've been there, done that. He forgives all your iniquities. Well, heals all your diseases. All of them. All of them. Some of them, most of them, few of them, half of them. What about the new ones? What about COVID? What about the swine flu, the bird flu? Well, the doctor says it's really bad. The doctor said you have no chance. What's that word say? He heals all your diseases. Why am I not healed? Well, we're going to get into all that. We're going to look at that. Y'all thinking? I want to get you thinking. Praise the Lord. All right, now let's get into Luke, 5th chapter, 17th verse. And I really wish I was in control of this screen. It's like, you know, I like to drive. I don't like to be a passenger. That's why I don't fly airplanes because they won't let me fly. I even know a guy that is a pilot, but no. I really don't like flying. That's really the truth. All right. They said this thing's working. Why don't you see if you can get this bad boy going for me real quick because I don't know what's up, but we'll just keep rolling like this for the moment. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching, and this is Jesus. Jesus is teaching. See that capital H? He. He was teaching, and there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, uh, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord is present to heal them. Now, there's, there's teachers of the law and Pharisees. They've come out of every town. They've come from all over. That would be like if we picked the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center and we had a preacher's convention. And preachers and teachers and prophets and whatever come from all churches all over the area, out of state, out of town, out of the country. They've all gathered together. That's what's going on here. You've got a whole building full of preachers and teachers. Listen to Jesus teach. Now he says, it says here, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now we'll read on in a moment, but nobody's getting healed. But the power of the Lord was present to heal them, so evidently somebody there needed some healing. Maybe they were sick in their body, but maybe they were sick another way. Maybe they had a religious spirit they needed to be healed from. I guarantee you they did because they were there trying to point out something they could find wrong with Jesus. They weren't trying to learn from him. They were critiquing him, seeing if they could get him to slip up and make a mistake and say something so that they could take it to the law and have him arrested. In other words, they were, they were watching him closely, seeing if they could fi- find something. Now, you can go into a church service uh, just the same way today. You could come in here this morning with that same type of uh, mindset, seeing if you could uh, find something wrong with me and with what I'm preaching. And, you know, if you brought a magnifying glass, you'd probably find something. That was a joke. I'm glad you didn't laugh, though. Makes you feel pretty good. You wouldn't need a magnifying glass, I can tell you. All right. 
So the power was present to heal them. The power was there. The power was there. I want you to get a hold of that. The power is present to heal them. It says, then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and laid him down in the bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven. Now, picture this. It's a big crowd, big building. There's so many religious people in there. There's so many preachers and teachers in there that this man who's sick can't even get in the door. He can't even get in. And I think about modern churches today sometimes are so full of religious spirited people that are looking down their nose on people that it's not that people can't get in, it's they don't want to come in. Because they don't feel welcome coming up in there. This man wanted to get in. He's trying to get in. He, they raised him up on the roof. So here's this room full of religious spirited people, people critiquing Jesus, and then all of a sudden the tiling start coming off the roof, and it was like terracotta tile, clay tile. So pieces are falling down, so these people are already snooty, and now they got stuff falling in their hair. They probably don't like that. And I'm sure Jesus probably saw the man coming in, being lowered down, and he probably said, thank God. Somebody with some faith has shown up. I've preached in places like that before. I felt it bouncing off. I've seen the Spirit of God there ready to heal, ready to move. The anointing was so strong, and the crowd that I was preaching to wouldn't know the anointing or the Spirit of God if it hit them right between the eyes. I could tell a story that happened, but for the sake of time, we're moving on. I'm just saying I've been in places before that people don't know that. It's just scripted. It's just scripted. I know people that practice their sermon, they have it down to the last second. It's scripted. We don't go by script. If the Lord don't give me something, we're going to be in and out in a real big hurry. But y'all thinking, well, he must give you something a lot because we never got out in a hurry. <laughs> now y'all laughing. Like, that's the truth. He said he was going to preach the truth today. He said, man, your, your sins are forgiven. Before I go on, thinking about a statement just now. Jonathan said last week, he said, show me your two or three of your closest friends and I'll show you your future. Now he's talking mainly to teenagers, college age kids. I mean, by the time you're my age, you need to have some good friends. But there's people my age and older still hanging out with the wrong crowd. Don't get me wrong. But like he used to teach youth and he'd tell them, show me your closest friends, I'll show you your future. Because you migrate that way. You start hanging around with people doing drugs, you're doing drugs. You might not be doing drugs, you start hanging out with them, but you start going that way, that's who you hang out with. That's why we need to hang out with Jesus. That's why you need to hang out with some, uh, some different friends. He's just pointing out the fact that you need some friends to hang around, not to pull you down, but to lift you up. Amen? And the thought just came to my mind there. It's the same thing in... Working in a church building. It, it can work the same way. You can hang around with a bunch of people that's sitting there in a church and the power of God's present to heal, but nobody's getting healed. So well, I've never seen anybody get healed. We don't even talk about it at our church. Well, that's why. Because you don't talk about it. You don't preach about it or you preach against it. Well, you might need to take a look at who you're hanging around and what they believe. You follow me? 
Does what they believe and what they speak and what they preach and what comes out of their mouth, what they teach in Sunday school, does it line up with the Word of God or are they teaching and preaching their opinions? Because if you're hanging around that, I'll show you your future. You've been sick for 10 years. You're hanging around with people who don't believe in the healing. You're going to a church don't believe in healing. Guess what? 10 years later, you're still going to be sick. Amen. Show me your three closest friends. Take a look at your friends. Not to digress here, but are they, are they lifting you up? Are they pulling you down? I mean, is it like weight on your back? Are they elevating you, lifting you up, and <clears throat> helping you? He said, man, your sins are forgiven. Man, your sins are forgiven. Well, there, it says the power of God is present to heal. Don't say anything about forgiveness. It says present to heal. Evidently, the man came seeking a healing. He didn't come seeking forgiveness. He's paralyzed on the mat. They found out Jesus was there. They want to get to him. They done heard some things. We got to get to this man. They lower him down through the roof on the mat. And he says, man, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say, man, you're healed. He said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They didn't know they were talking to God in the flesh, the Son of God, the one who was sent by God. They didn't know that they were talking to the living word, the word that was there in the beginning. The word was with God. The word was God. And guess what? That word became flesh and dwelt among them. They didn't know that word was standing right before them. But let's don't give them a hard time. Because how many times has the Lord been present in your life to move, to heal things, to get things, and we miss it? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? He said, which is easier? Your sins are forgiven, forgiven you, or to say rise up and walk? Which one's easier? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? What he's saying is they're both easy. Ain't neither one of them hard. Your sins are forgiven and you're healed. It's just the same for Jesus. I can lift it with this hand or I can lift it with this hand. It makes no difference. That's what Jesus is saying. But somehow in our mind, we think forgiveness is easy, but healing, ooh, I don't know about that. You know what I think about? I think about Cousin Eddie when he's at Walmart with Clark. And Clark says, I'm gonna buy you a Christmas. And Cousin Eddie's like, mm, mm, I don't know. That's how we do. But Jesus says, which one's easier? They're both easy. Which one do you want? Don't make me no difference. They're both easy. How come we've made it hard? Somehow in the church, it's become hard. It's hard to get healed. But it's easy to get it's easy to forget forgiving the sins. Well, you don't know the power of sin. You don't know what it took to wash away your sin. What did it take? It took Jesus going to the cross and dying for you. The blood of Jesus is what it took to take care of that sin. Now, if the blood of Jesus can recreate your spirit and recreate you and make you new, surely it can do a repair job on the already existing body. That's a way greater miracle to recreate you and make you new than just to do a little repair job. Amen. Whew. 
Wow. When I very first started preaching, I heard Josh, he quoted a man. He said, I wouldn't trade the anointing for a golden gate wrapped around a city. I didn't understand it, but I understand it now. Oh, Lord Jesus. Feels good. He said, but now that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his house glorifying God. Jesus said, which one's easier? Which one's easier? Equally the same to him. I read this in my office this morning and I saw something right here. And I've read this scripture many times. I've never seen this part. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on. What you've been lying on. Everybody in here is either lying on something or at one time in your life you've been lying on something. You've been laying up on something. You've been laying up on some sickness and some unforgiveness, some stress, some worry, some fear, some anxiety. You've been lying up on something. So did you bring your mat in here this morning? You ready to pick it up? You ready to get off of it and go on home and carry it instead of lying on it? Amen, I am. Some people have been laying on some poverty. You ready to get off that poverty mat? Stress mat, fear mat, worry mat. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna get the COVID mat. Praise the Lord. In Matthew, in the ninth chapter, in the sixth verse, in the Amplified Version, is the same account of this story. And I want you to see this. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. We just read it. But this is his version. To forgive sins and remit the penalty. He said to the paralyzed man, get up, pick up your sleeping pad and go to onto your house. The authority to forgive sins and to remit the penalty. That's the part I'm talking about. I mean, I want you to get a hold of, to remit the penalty. There was a penalty for the sins. Wasn't there? Sickness and disease is a direct penalty from sin. But he says, your sins have been forgiven and the penalty has been remitted. So anything that's a product of sin has been remitted. If, the, if your mortgage company sent you the deed to your house and says fully paid, would you keep pay, making the payment? If you went to court and the court hit, the judge hit the ambulance and said, you're a free man, would you say, no, nah, I want to pay that penalty? Just go ahead and lock me up for a few years or let me make some monthly payments. Nobody in their right mind would do that. Well, why do we do it if we've been remitted? If the sin, if the penalty's been remitted, get a hold of this. Praise the Lord. Get a hold of it. Now look right here in Romans, the fifth chapter, the first verse. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace, which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now we're going to skip on down to the ninth. Much more than having been justified by his blood, 
We shall be saved from the wrath through him. He saved you from wrath. He didn't put it on you. He saved you from sickness. He didn't put it on you. He saved you from disease. He, he, he re- provided peace for you and joy for you. Broken peace was put upon him. The wrath of God, he, he has saved you from wrath. God doesn't want wrath to be on you. He wants you to be healed. He, he, we glorify God in healing. He gets glory in healing. He gets glory in victory, not defeat. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled. And some versions will say atonement. There, if you're looking in maybe a King James, but atonement is more like a covering in the Old Testament, but it's more than atonement. We've been reconciled. We've been atoned once and forever. There has never has to be any bloodshed ever again. We're standing under a waterfall of forgiveness. And it don't dry up. The creek don't quit running. We've been reconciled. We shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Well, we know that sin entered in with Adam. And guess what? Death spread to all men because all sinned. You and I, we've all sinned. Everybody's sinned. But it originally entered in through through Adam. So if death entered in through uh, sin, that's the penalty for the sin. The wages of sin are death, Romans 6, 23. It entered in through sin. Right? But he says there's no penalty. Now, if death, sickness, and disease, and all these things entered in through sin, then they're definitely not of God. When did God create them? On the first day, the second day, the third day. He, he, well, you can go back to Genesis and read creation. I've never read in there one time where it says, on this day, God created pneumonia. On this day, God created the flu. On this day, he created cancer. He created the Rona. On this day, have you ever read that? No, he says he created things. He worked and created things for six days. On the seventh day, what did he do? He rest. Why did he rest? Because he was finished. He didn't have to create nothing else. He's already created everything that you would ever need right then and there in, that, in those few days. In those six days, on the seventh day, he rested. Done. Finished. He finished his work. Just like when Jesus went to the cross and he says, I'm finished. You don't have to work. He did the work for you. But God didn't create any of these things. Y'all with me? God didn't create any of these things. Now, I had a shirt when I was a kid. It said, and on the eighth day, God created the crimson tide. So we know he didn't create it on the eighth day. He couldn't have created sickness on the eighth day. He created the crimson tide. Come on now. Everybody asked me about that shirt. I was just a little bitty kid. I didn't even know what, what that meant, but all the adults seemed to like it. No sin, no death. The sin equals death. No sin, no sickness, no sin, no disease, no sin, no poverty, no sin, no stress, no worry, no fear. None of these things. All these things were a result of sin, okay? Okay? So sickness don't kill you. You can just get sick. Do you know it? 
You just get a little sick and it won't kill you. But a whole lot of sickness will kill you. So that tells us if a whole lot of sickness will kill you, then a little bit of sickness, that's not good either. Just like a whole lot of beer will get you tore out of the frame, which tells me a little bit of beer is not good either because you're still flirting with it. My wife would not be happy if I went and flirted with another woman. Even if I didn't leave her for another woman, she wouldn't be happy if I just flirted with another woman because you flirting with the idea, fool. That's right. Enough poverty will kill you. If you ain't got no money to buy any food, you'll starve to death. So that tells me a little bit of poverty is not good either. Some people preach that we're supposed to be poor if you're a Christian. That's stupid. You can't help anybody poor. And God needs every soldier. He needs every pair of boots on the ground going out and, and spreading the word of God. If you're laying flat out on your back sick, if you're broke, busted, disgusting, what you're going to do? How could you help him? We're supposed to be experiencing uh, uh, not the best life. The best life's going to be in heaven, no doubt. When we get there, but you're supposed to be experiencing a good life now. You're not supposed to limp into heaven, say, Woo, it's a tough one down there, but I made it. It's a measure. Sickness, a little bit of sickness is a measure of death. A little bit of poverty is a measure of death. Fear is a measure of death. These things are all a measure of death. Um, if God was okay with a little bit of this, then that's, that means he's okay with sin. If all these things are a result of sin and God's okay with these things, if he's okay with sickness, if he's okay with disease, if he's okay with poverty, if he's okay with any of these things, then he, he has to be okay with sin because these things are a result of sin. He's not okay with these things. That's not what he wants for you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to be healed. Why? Well, his son went and died on the cross for you so that you could receive healing. Amen. We can't take a knife and divide it up and cut out what we want and what we don't want. We're going to believe the, the word or we're not. Amen. He gets glory from our victory, not from defeat. He gets glory from healing. Not from being sick. He gets glory from you being financially blessed so that you can be a blessing to the other. He doesn't get glory out of you being in poverty. You know who gets glory for those things? Satan. Satan gets the glory for sickness and defeat and death. And so many times we give God the credit for the work of Satan. Unbelievable. Well, it's just because we've believed a lie. And unfortunately, a lot of teachers and preachers and pastors have bought into a lie and they stand up and they teach thousands of people a lie. And those thousands of people believe into the lie because they're preaching their opinion. Believe that word. Compare everything to the word. Everything. Well, I've been hearing this for 20 years. Well, you've been hearing wrong for 20 years. Compare it to the word. Compare it to the word. If it contradicts the word, one, one little sentence, it's a lie. Well, he's got a PhD. Well, I got a PhD myself. I'm not going to tell you what it's in, though. So you may say, well, are you suggesting 
that I've sinned? Is that why I'm sick? Are you suggesting that I've sinned? Well, my question is this. Are you suggesting that you haven't sinned? We've all sinned. Am I saying that you're sick because you sinned? No, no, I'm not saying that whatsoever at all, but I'm just saying you sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. If you've sinned, it's not a surprise. It's not like I'm going to have to say, hey, in case you weren't aware, you sinned. I mean, if you're living in sin, if you're doing something on a regular basis, you know you're sinning. It's not a secret. It's not going to be like, wow, I didn't even know that. Thanks for informing me that having multiple affairs was a sin. I didn't know that. Snorting cocaine is a sin? Wow. Kicking the glass out of a building and going in and stealing everything out of it, that's a sin? I thought it was a peaceful protest. My bad. Oh, we're recording. You're not supposed to say something. Oh, well, I'll just say the truth. Yeah, that's a sin. When you knock the glass out of a building and go in and steal everything, that's a sin. <laughs> Every time. Nobody needs to tell you. It's not a surprise. You know. So can you sin and open the door? Absolutely. You can sin and open the door. What happens is when you do sin, when you're living in sin, sure, you make a mistake. You know, you're in traffic. I don't do this. I never really had a problem with this. I mean, I have a few times. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, it's not a current problem. But you know, you're in traffic. Sometimes you get mad and you might let somebody have it and you might tell them they're number one, you know. And then you say, Lord Jesus, why did I do that? Because after I passed them, they saw that I love Jesus bumper sticker. <laughs> a seven mile sticker. See, that keeps, I got a tag on my truck that says seven mile. That keeps me in check on the road, I'll go ahead and tell you. Sometimes I get in a hurry, I might pull out in front of somebody and I'll be thinking. Maybe they think I'm in a hurry to church, I don't know. But, <clears throat> but I got plenty of other issues, don't get me wrong. I'm just using this one as an example. This seems to be a common problem, road rage. I'm talking about get mad on the road and say, Lord, dog, I shouldn't have done that. You know, forgive me for that and go on down the road. You're good. I'm talking about living in it, a lifestyle of sin, a lifestyle of sin. You don't think a lifestyle of sin is opening the door for Satan to come up into your house and wreak havoc on you, your wife and your kids, your finances? You're mistaken because it does. I had two snakes in the sock drawer one time. That's about five foot long, two of them. Somebody left a crack in the door. And they came on in that crack. They slid through the basement, through the den, up the stairs, down the hall, in the kids' room, right on up in the sock drawer, nestled down. That's what Satan will do when you leave the crack open. He'll slither right on in, he'll nestle down. Like I said, it's not a surprise. I didn't say... How in the world did them old snakes get in here? I knew how they got in there. We left the door open. How in the world did this happen to me? Hmm, let me think about it. Oh, yeah, that life I've been living, that's probably how it happened. This ain't too real, I hope. John, the ninth chapter, the first verse. Now, Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They were saying, who did it? Was it his fault or their fault? 
It's got to be somebody's fault. You have to understand before Jesus went to the cross, you did good, you got good. You got blessed, you did bad, you got bad, you got cursed. Do good, get good, do bad, get bad. So it's got to be somebody's fault, absolutely. So it's somebody's fault. It's either his or his. Well, it couldn't have been his. He hadn't even been born yet. See, they're trying to fix the blame and Jesus is trying to fix the problem. We do the same thing, come on. And Jesus says, well, it was neither one. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but the works of God shall be revealed to him. Think about this. If it's your fault you got sick, what about a plant? I had a sick uh, crepe murder one time. He was sick. Did that thing sin? What sin did it commit? He got sick. I had a dog that was sick one time too. What did the dog do? Have you ever had a dog that sinned? Well, come to think of it, probably have. I had a Labrador chew the wires off my air conditioner. I know that was a sin. That dog did not go to heaven. It couldn't have. And I about sent it to heaven that day. All kidding aside, I about killed it. It's a long time ago. I'm a nicer guy now, but I choked it for a minute. Jackie's like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're going to kill it. And I was like, that's the idea. <clears throat> well, it's hot in the house. You know, you come home from work, you want some AC, right? Stupid dog. He didn't know any better. But dog can't sin. But I've seen a sick dog. You ever seen a sick dog? Did he sin? No, we live in a fallen world because sin entered in through Adam. He made a mistake. Therefore, we live in a fallen world. There is sickness and disease out here. Now, have you opened the door? You could have opened the door. You could have let Satan up in your house. You say, well, I hadn't done any of those things. I mean, I don't, I'm not living in sin. I'm not doing these things. I mean, I'm living for the Lord, but I'm still been struggling in this area. Well, guess what? There's good, I got good news for you. He works on both. He forgives you for your sins. He forgives you for your iniquities, but he also heals you. And you say, well, I've been struggling with this for a while. I've been struggling with receiving my healing for a while. You know what? I know people have been struggling with forgiveness for a lot of years because they just don't feel like they're worthy. They don't feel like they're good enough. Well, let me go and tell you, you're not good enough. That's why Jesus went to the cross for you. So just go ahead and put that to bed right now. You ain't good enough. Are you worthy to be healed? No, you ain't worthy to be healed. Jesus went to the cross and provided it for you. So just quit focusing on yourself and just start focusing on what he's already done for you. Believe it and receive it. He said, which one's easier? Forgiveness, healing, both the same. How do you receive your healing? Same way you receive forgiveness. How do you receive forgiveness? You heard the word, you believed it, you received it. How do you receive healing? You hear the word, you believe it, you receive it. One and the same, absolutely no different at all. One's no harder than the other. Jesus said, which one's easier? We've made it harder. We've made it harder. He says, walk by faith, not by sight. You know, that's the only way you can get saved is by faith. You sure ain't gonna do it by sight because you can't see it. But the problem is you can see sick. And you start walking by sight and not by faith. Have you ever seen saved? I've seen the product. I've seen the fruit of saved. I can absolutely tell when somebody's accepted Christ, you start seeing some changes. They start going up that ladder. Some things start changing. Yeah, I can see the fruit of it, but I can't see it. Have I ever seen somebody sick? Absolutely. I've seen them sick. 
I've seen people deathly sick. I've seen people take their last breath. I've seen it. You have seen these things as well. So is it your sin or the curse? Good news, don't matter. We're redeemed from both. Jesus went to a cross to redeem us, and we've been redeemed. Amen. Anybody familiar with Isaiah 53? You say, well, I've been struggling. Well, struggling a little bit is better than the just getting destroyed. Being a believer and knowing the word and standing on the word and struggling and fighting and having a battle in life is better than being an unbeliever not knowing any word to stand on and Satan just come in and utterly destroying your life. He says you're going to have battles. Why? We live in a fallen world. Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. <clears throat> Do you believe that? Let's back it up. Do you believe that he's borne your griefs and carried your sorrows? Can I talk you out of it? He was wounded for our transgressions. Do you believe it? He was bruised for our iniquities. Is that what it says? The chastisement for our peace, your broken peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. Hold up now. What about that last one out there? I mean, eh, I don't know about that. That's what we do. We take a butcher knife, we chop it up, and we, we take out what we want and leave what we want. You can't do that. You shouldn't dare do that. You shouldn't erase one of the names of God. By his stripes we were healed. You can't take a knife and divide it. Do you realize he went to the cross? They put the crowns on his head. Did he have to have the crowns rammed down on his head before he went to the cross? No. Did he have to go to the whipping post and absolutely be beat and, 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 and whipped until there wasn't nothing but just like a piece of hamburger meat on legs? Did that have to happen? No. All he had to do was go to the cross. Why did he do all these things? Because he took care of all of it before he went to the cross. He took care of our healing. He took care, of, he went to the cross, spirit, soul, mind, and body, and you've been redeemed, spirit, soul, mind, and body. Praise the Lord. The forgiving part. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Do you believe that you're forgiven? How do you know that you're forgiven? How do you know that you're forgiven? We, we're winding her down here because we're going to go for weeks. We're building a foundation. How do you know that you're forgiven? Don't all speak at once, but how do you know that you're forgiven? Because the word says it. True. It does say that. But you believe it and you receive it. You believe you're forgiven. And you receive your forgiveness. You, right there, what it says. We believe it. You believe the blood was shed for you? Do you believe it? Do you believe you're healed? Okay. Do you always feel forgiven? When you flip back the old boy off in traffic, do you feel forgiven? Do you feel like you are the righteousness of God? 
when you cuss them out. When you're at home alone, ain't nobody around, and that's the real you, by the way. When the real you is at home, and they're tempted to go over here to this computer and look at some things they ought not look at, do you feel clean? Do you feel righteous? Do you look at it and go, I'm the righteousness of God through the blood of Jesus as I watch this trash? You're opening the door for Satan right there, by the way. That's a battle you just lost. But do you feel clean? Do you always feel clean? I mean, do you feel righteous? Feeling pretty righteous. I'm messing around. Do you, do you feel righteous? Do you always feel righteous? Is there ever a symptom from your sin? Do you feel symptoms of unrighteousness? Do you feel symptoms of sickness and disease? Do those symptoms mean you weren't healed? What are the symptoms of unrighteousness? Does that mean you're not righteous? Does that mean you're not forgiven? So we focus on too much on how we feel rather than focusing on what we believe and what the word says. We need to be focusing on what we believe and what we have received rather than what we feel. Y'all with me? I hope you are. So, ever how you want to close on it, whether it's be you or the whole group, that's, that's your call, but one or the other. Do you need anybody to remind you that you have made a mistake or that you're unrighteous? Well, plenty of times we do that to each other. We point each other's faults and failures out, don't we? But in the symptoms, does your mistake mean you're not forgiven? You know what the Word of God says? That you were in a prison of sin. A prison of sin that you couldn't get out of. Your good works couldn't get you out of it. All your money couldn't get you out of it. No way you could get out of it. But Jesus Christ came. Guess what he did? He opened the prison door. He set the captive free. He went in, shut the door behind him. He took your place. And it says, now you're a prisoner of righteousness. You can't go back. You can't go back. When you do make a mistake and have a shortcoming or a failure, that you don't go from righteousness back to unrighteous, even though the symptoms are there. So don't go from healed. Don't go from what Jesus said. He said, which one's easier? Healing, forgiveness, which one's easier? If your sins are forgiven, man, sickness is a penalty of sin, but your sins are forgiven, which ones are easier? Take up your mat and go home. You can leave out different than you came in. Jesus talks about renewing our minds. Why? Because we've been thinking the wrong thing. See, right living, gritting your teeth, clenching your fist, trying to do your best to live right will never change your thinking. But when you have your mind renewed and your thinking changes and your thinking lines up with the Word of God, 
then your life will change. Your living will change. Right thinking produces right living. We got to start thinking right. Let me tell you this before we go. The sum total of the misery in a person's life can be measured by the difference in the truth they know and the life they live. That's about as deep as I get. You got some misery in your life? See, so when you know the truth, but you don't live the truth, the difference between the truth that you know and the life that you live, that's where the misery comes in. The truth will make you free. I remember my brother-in-law, John, he first got under a teaching under my other brother-in-law, Josh. This man was a born-again believer. He was a Christian, been in church his whole life. But all of a sudden, he started hearing a teaching that he had never heard before. He heard what I like to call the truth. And he was set free. He was saved. He was going to heaven. But he was still bound. You understand what I'm saying? He said, I feel like I've been, like I've been lied to. That's what he said. I've been in church for all these years. I feel like I've been lied to because now I've heard the truth. And man, when you hear the truth and it makes you free, it's like busting through that big old paper wall on Friday night when you run out on the field. It feels good. If you've never done it, then, well, it feels like when you go to the grocery store hungry and you just buy a bunch of stuff. Go home and eat it a good feeling feels like your husband gave you that credit card and he just said buy what you want and then the the bill comes in your husband gets it that's the feeling of bondage (laughs) just like the man came in